0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Ojibwe hockey player Henry Boucher made an indelible mark on the professional hockey world in the 1970s. He was a star high school athlete who went on to become a member of the 1972 silver medal winning U.S. Olympic ice hockey team. He was one of the few early native National Hockey League athletes and would later advocate for native participation in sports and against racist mascots. We'll talk about Henry Boucher's hockey legacy right after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Native groups and their allies are calling on officials to condemn violence against indigenous people and to keep a suspect charged with attempted murder locked up. The Red Nation, Three Sisters Collective, Kiva Club, Indian Collective, and their allies say last week's shooting at a prayerful event in New Mexico celebrating the halt of the placement of a Juan de Oñate statue was a racist attack, Witnesses say before the shooting, the suspect was seen antagonizing the crowd gathered at the Rio Arriba County Annex Building in Española. Video recorded at the event widely shared on social media shows the suspect wearing a hoodie and a red Make America Great Again hat, scuffling with people at the gathering before pulling out a gun and shooting one person and pointing the gun at another before fleeing. Police identified the shooter as 23-year-old Ryan Martinez. He was arrested and charged with attempted murder in the first degree and aggravated assault use of a deadly weapon. Martinez is due to appear in court Monday. Native groups and their allies are calling on officials to not release him and to recognize the shooting as a racially motivated hate crime. The person shot was identified as 42-year-old Jacob Johns. A GoFundMe set up for his medical bill says he's Hopi in Akmal Autumn and has dedicated his life to indigenous and climate justice. The statue was previously removed from a different location in 2020 and was set to be put up last week at its new location in front of the county building but was postponed members of the native groups fighting against the statue say Oñante was a brutal Spanish colonizer and the statue represents violence and genocide Canada's western province of Manitoba could make history as Dan Karpinchuk reports it could elect its first First Nations premier to lead the provincial government
2: Wab Canoo is the leader of the New Democratic Party of Manitoba he was born in Ontario and lived on the Anigaming First Nation his father was a survivor of the residential school system, and Canoe says he passed to Canoe the importance of Anishinaabe culture and language. During a recent televised debate, Canoe blasted the former premier of Manitoba for closing emergency rooms and breaking the health care system.
0: I don't think too many of us understood how having to drive further was going to get you seen quicker. We have a plan to fix it. Let me be clear, this is going to be hard work. It has to start with staffing up the health care system and then once the staffing is stabilized two years from now we put shovels into the ground to build a new ER starting in South Winnipeg.
2: If elected, Canoe would become the first First Nations Premier, but not the first Indigenous Premier. John Norquay, who was Métis, was Manitoba's fifth Premier until 1887. Canoe says there are still historic barriers to overcome, the main reason few Indigenous people enter provincial politics. Some analysts say if Canoe becomes premier, it would be significant because there are still dominant stereotypes that see Indigenous people in a negative way. So it's important for other Indigenous people to see that it's possible to succeed at the highest levels. Manitobans go to the polls on October the 3rd. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk.
1: The memorial at Wounded Knee, one of the most prominent landmarks on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, was recently vandalized. The memorial was placed in the early 1900s by Joseph Horncloud, a direct descendant of victims of the Wounded Knee Massacre. The damages were limited to the topmost piece of the monument structure. The site is under the management of Oglala Sioux Tribal Government, which has indicated plans to increase efforts to protect the memorial. Assistant U.S. Attorney Elliot Neal has been picked to represent missing or murdered indigenous persons for the Southwest region. The region includes New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, and Arizona. He's one of five assistant U.S. attorneys who will provide support to U.S. attorneys' offices to address the issue. His background and experience includes working with tribes. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
0: NATIONAL NATIVE NEWS IS PRODUCED BY Kowanic BROADCAST CORPORATION, WITH FUNDING BY THE CORPORATION FOR PUBLIC BROADCASTING.
3: SUPPORT BY AARP. AARP CREATES AND CONNECTS PEOPLE TO UNIQUE TOOLS AND PROGRAMS, HELPS CONSERVE PERSONAL RESOURCES, AND TACKLES ISSUES THAT MATTER MOST TO INDIVIDUALS, FAMILIES, AND COMMUNITIES. MORE AT AARP.ORG.
0: This is Native America Calling. Perhaps no other player epitomized the rough-and-tumble 1970s era of the National Hockey League better than Henry Boucher, an immensely talented Ojibwe athlete who died earlier this month at the age of 72. Boucher first rose to prominence as a star high school hockey player in Warroad, Minnesota. He later played on the U.S. Olympic team and the NHL's Detroit Red Wings and Minnesota North Stars. Boucher was a fan favorite, who was easy to spot on the ice with quick skating and long flowing hair worn under a signature headband. After a devastating eye injury led to an early retirement, he would continue to advocate for better native representation in the sport of hockey at both the professional and amateur levels. Today, we'll celebrate the legacy of Henry Boucher with his family and friends. Please join this conversation today by calling one 800 996 2848 to share any thoughts you have or memories of Henry Boucher, 1-800-99-NATIVE. Speaking with us now from Warroad, Minnesota, is Skye Boucher. She is the granddaughter of Henry Boucher and a member of Anamaki Wajing number 37. Welcome to Native America Calling, Skye.
4: Hi, thank you guys for having me.
0: Absolutely. Also joining us today from Aberdeen, South Dakota, is Gabi Boucher. He is the grandson of Henry Boucher. He is also a member of Animaki Wajing number 37. Welcome to Native America Calling, Gabi.
5: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Sure, sure. Joining us from Stillwater, Minnesota, we have David Glass. He is the president of the National Coalition Against Racism in Sports and Media. He's also an enrolled member of the White Earth Band of Ojibwe. David thanks for joining us good Jimmy be Thank you David and speaking with us from Minnetonka Minnesota is Mary Schofield. She is the author of the book Henry Boucher Star of the North Mary, welcome to our show
6: It's a pleasure thank you
0: Sky, let's go ahead and begin with you and Gaby. and let me be, be, begin by offering condolences to you and your whole family how are you folks doing right now?
4: of love and support um, from family, friends, and you know, acquaintances of my papa. Um, And so we're just really, really happy that everybody's just been showing us an incredible amount of love during this time.
0: Oh good, glad to hear that. And Skye, what do you remember most about your grandfather now?
4: Um, Well, he was just my grandpa, you know, I didn't know him in all of his different (laughs) lights. I could say Uh sometimes he was a mysterious man and was pretty humble about everything. he was funny. He was warm, kind. That's of my favorite qualities of his.
0: Did he talk much about his hockey days with you?
4: Um, not at first. It kind of came out in his later years. Most recently, you know, when we were filming the documentary, it was my first time hearing a lot of these stories, actually. So he never really talked about hockey much. He kept it just about us. I mean, he was my grandpa. So <laughs> a family uh-huh. man. He was pretty
0: humble. And what was he – where was he happiest? Was it just being with his family, or was it advocating for the sport of hockey? When did you see him just, just relaxing and, and seeming to be getting the most out of life?
4: Um, I'd say probably with his family. I mean, like I said, I keep saying he's a family man. He was a family man through and through. I mean, he loved coming up to World and visiting us and various holidays, sporting events. He loved watching Gabby play hockey um, and football. But that's really when I saw him light up, or when we went fishing on Lake of the Woods. He loved showing us around. I mean, he didn't even need a map. He knew it like the back of his hand.
0: Uh (laughs) And, Gabi, as Sky just mentioned, you are also a hockey player and you're a college football player. Was that an important bond, sports that you were able to share with your grandfather?
5: Talk about, you know, whether it was hockey or football all day long. And uh, he didn't really talk about, you know, his playing days too much unless I asked, but, um, when he had something to say about my game or what I could do better, I definitely listened.
0: Uh-huh. And did you get on the ice with him much and, and practice at all?
5: Uh, no, he was, a, he was, uh, a, a bit too old, uh, you know, kind of when I was playing hockey to get on the ice with me, but, um, I could always count on him, you know, whenever he was in town to be in the stands watching.
0: And and Gabby, just being around your, your grandfather at events and in sporting games and things like that, did, did was he just a, a big presence there in the community? Did people come up and talk to him and just start conversations?
5: Absolutely. Um every time I would meet him in the lobby, there'd be a little little group around him, you know, uh just, you know, chatting it up with him. And uh it was sometimes it was kinda hard to get him out of there. <laughs>
0: Do you have a favorite memory of of time spent with him, Gabby?
5: Uh, Definitely hunting, deer hunting in the Beltrami. Uh, I remember it was the last day of the season, deer hunting season, of course. And, you know, we kind of didn't have any luck all day. So he just asked me if I wanted to go road hunting. And that's, you know, when you just drive around on these little trails on the bell champion, uh, look for deer. Fortunately, um, we went down this one trail, it ended up being blocked off by a tree that had fallen over. So we turn around and we go back up the trail and, you know, there was a deer right there and he told me to hop out and, you know, walk away and go get it. And I you know that's exactly what happened. And, uh, it was definitely an evening to remember for sure. Mm.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a wonderful memory. Sky, how about you? What's a favorite memory you have of your grandfather?
4: Oh, gosh, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> um, probably, I just remember, this is kind of a funny story. He was a jokester, like, at heart. And I was going to a Taylor Swift concert with my sister, and I was sitting in the car with my mom. And we always went to Papa's house after school. And so we were on our way to Papa's, and we were listening to Taylor Swift in the car, and I looked at my mom. And I go, oh, my gosh, like, I just wish there was somebody famous in our family. And then she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, like Taylor Swift or something. And so I hop out of the car. It was like 10. And I run inside to Papa's. You never knocked. He just kind of walked in. And so I go in there, and I was kind of kind of upset, just sitting on the couch, whatever. And he goes, Guy, like, oh, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. He's mad. He's like, what are you mad about? I was like, we have nobody famous in our family. And he was like, yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> he was so humble. And I had oh, no idea anything. He was like, yeah, I know. And he's like, well, who do you want? To be related to us, like, I don't know, like Taylor Swift or something. And he was like, Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> just like, that is one of the, it makes me laugh every time I think about it. Cause I'm like, How incredibly humble do you have to be sitting there to listen to your granddaughter who has absolutely no idea what you've accomplished? And
0: just <laughs> <laughs> just oh my take gosh. It? <laughs> wow. Wow. That is amazing. Totally. And, Skye, I, I know your grandfather did a lot of work with youth advocacy. Um, he was involved in a youth homeless shelter, and he also ran hockey clinics, and uh, how important was that to him, and what did he talk about when he when he shared information or, or details about his work with the younger generation? Um, it
4: was really, really important to him, and it was really important for us kids to get involved and learn, and that just showed up in a bunch of different ways in his life, you know, it, from going to, like, book signings with him or just going and sitting with him during meetings or during phone calls and just being there and kind of him showing us the ropes. And at the time, I didn't really know why I was taken along to all of these things. I thought it was like a wax on, wax off type of situation, you know, (laughs) you're learning the ropes. And, um, you know, he dragged Gabby and I around to everything that we possibly could go to. And it was just really, really important for him um, to have us there and for his work to be able to see him in that light and thrive.
0: And Sky was he was he strict or was he laid back? What do you remember? Like, did he ever get bugged with anything or get on you guys oh, about anything?
4: No, he was so kind and warm. Um, he was wasn't strict. It was just kind of he was so easygoing with the flow. Um, everything had a place, and it was going to work out eventually, even if there was a tough road to get through to get to that point. But yeah, never strict. I never saw him get upset, yell at anyone. Um, he was never mad. He's just really kind.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I was really excited a few years ago when it was announced that uh, there was a project, a documentary film that uh, was coming out about your grandfather. Now, what's the status of that, Gabby? Will that documentary still be released at some point?
5: Uh, yeah, I think there, PBS is planning on releasing uh, that documentary right around uh, Hockey Day in Minnesota, uh, right around that time. So I'm excited to see the the final cut.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good news, Gobby. Um, any other details about that? Like, you have a rough timeline at all as to when that will come out? Uh, not really, not really. Okay, well, we'll definitely be paying close attention to that. That's going to be super exciting. And uh, Gobby, what about um, like when he would watch you there, you know, from the stands? And it sounds like he did a little bit of coaching, just kind of informally. What was what was his approach with you there? Like when he would critique your games or, or when he shared areas where you could improve
5: um just being on the ice i would look up in the stands uh between plays and i'd see him you know with that warm smile on his face all the time and uh you know after the game um i would usually go hang out with him or he'd bring me bring me home or i'd meet him over at the over at the house and uh he would just kind of nonchalant like bring it up Uh, you, you know sometimes uh for instance this one game in particular, I was just making big circles uh, after the play. And he's like, all right, so here, 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 and here, like you need to stop and, you know, um, keep your chest open towards the play um, for a better opportunity or a better, you know, so you can be an outlet on the backside of the play. or You know, just things like that. He would mm-hmm. just kind of touch on a little bit. He would never, you know, get mad or, Anything like that, it was just letting me know.
0: Did he ever remark, Gabia, at how much the game of hockey has changed since when he played?
5: Yeah, he did. Um, he would always comment about how how much faster it looked, and um, a lot about the sticks. Um, he would always kind of fiddle around with my uh, with my new twigs, and <laughs> he would always say like, "Oh, these are so light, or you know, they're so they're so flexible compared to what I've." And what i'm used to playing with and kind of things like that
0: wow and that's uh, especially cool because i know that the uh, the old christian hockey stick companies based there in world minnesota so there's that connection as well sky and gobby thank you both for for kicking us off here with this conversation about your grandfather henry boucher the legendary ojibwe hockey player national hockey league star, uh, Olympic team member, the full resume of a stellar athlete. Folks, give us a call if you want to join this conversation. one 800 996 2848 A shooting at a protest in New Mexico has Native activists weary of violence at otherwise peaceful events. A man antagonized protesters, then opened fire at a gathering of mostly Native people opposed to the reinstallation of a controversial statue. We'll get the latest on a potentially troubling trend on the next Native America Calling.
3: support by AARP. Despite their service to our country, U.S. military vets, active duty service members, and their families are targeted by con artists significantly more than civilians and are 40% more likely to lose money than civilians. Vigilance is our number one weapon against fraud. You have the power to protect yourself. If an offer sounds too good to be true, it probably is. More at aarp.org vetsfraudnetwork.
0: Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Do you remember watching Henry Boucher dazzle hockey fans in the U.S. and Canada during the 1960s and 70s? The late Ojibwe athlete played in the National Hockey League during an era which few Native Americans achieved that level of success. And we are talking with his family members and others who knew him well today here on Native America Calling. So please join this conversation if you have any insights to offer. Our number is one 800 996 Let's now hear a clip of Henry Boucher's former teammate, Lou Nanny. Lou was a defenseman for the Minnesota North Stars from 1968 to 1978 and was later the team's general manager. He describes first noticing Boucher as a high school hockey player in northern Minnesota.
7: I knew Henry when Henry was in high school. i have been broadcasting a Minnesota State hockey championship uh, since 1964, this year will be my 60th from when I started. And Henry was a very, very talented and and heralded high school player. So he had an easy transition going into the NHL. And uh, a kid with that kind of ability, size, and all the things you need to be a good hockey player. you could skate, he could handle a puck, you could shoot, great perception. So he was able to come in and that very quickly.
0: What was the NHL like during that era when you and Henry played together as opposed to the, to the way the league is now? Biggest difference? Well,
7: now it's not as rough or dirty as it was back in those days. You know, nowadays, if you get high-stick, you high-stick somebody in touch, you're going to be suspended for games. Uh, you know, if you fight, then there might be one fight going on, but you don't have bench clearing for all the- <laughs> It was a lot rougher back then, uh, the rules were different, uh, they were more more restrictive than for guys with talent because you'd be able to hold and tug and interfere a lot more than you could do nowadays. The game was different than it is now. It's faster now. The majority, maybe 99, 9 percent of the guys never wore a helmet, even in minor hockey. So when you came to the NHL, you, you didn't wear a helmet.
0: Now, Lou, sadly, Henry's career was dramatically impacted when he, when he was assaulted on, on the ice, attacked on, on the ice with that game against the Boston Bruins. And were you in that game? Were you on the ice, Lou, when that happened?
7: Well, the odd fact was I was injured that night, and uh, I was in the press box, and they asked me to go on television in, in the the period to, to do an interview. So I was going from one press box, the ice behind, I was going along the concourse, to get to the Boston Bruins press box, when I heard the noise, uh, Dave Forbes butt-ended butt into them right in the eye, mm-hmm. and uh, that that essentially was just a devastating blow to Henry's career, because he lost a lot of his sight. You know that that was just terrible.
0: That's Henry Boucher's teammate and friend Lou Nanny reflecting on their time together as players in the National Hockey League and right now on the line we have Henry Boucher's grandchildren Sky Boucher and Gaby Boucher and Gaby did your grandfather keep a lot of memorabilia from his playing days jerseys equipment trophies and things like that
5: uh yeah he did um i'm not too sure where he kept it you know he was real humble about everything really so he never pulled it out you know got the time to time to show me cuz we're always doing something we're always on the move so never really got to see any of that 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 stuff but I know for a fact that
0: somewhere he has it all right Sky. how about you do you remember seeing any old jerseys or any other equipment like that
4: um yeah Uh, my mom uh, has this scrapbook that my grandma made his first wife um, that she kept all these old newspaper clippings and everything and it's all in this box that she has at her house and um one time we were at a book signing with my grandpa, it was Gabby and I was in Roseau, um there at the museum and he whipped out his medal, just like out of his back pocket. So, <laughs> so long. and I was like, Oh my gosh, where the heck did you keep that? Like, where did you, where did that come from? You know? Um, so it's kind of in weird situations like that, where he, like Gabby said, he was super humble. Um, but I have been able to see some of this stuff and there's an exhibit in Roseau, actually um, that's got a lot of his um, jerseys and just old other memorabilia pieces of his
0: okay that's good to know that's super cool too just just casually walking around with an olympic medal in your back pocket <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's pretty classic yeah, I can,
4: like, it and i was like held it and i was like oh my gosh like i've never seen this before and after years and years and it was kind of funny <laughs> uh,
0: let's go ahead and talk a little bit now about the advocacy work that henry boucher did and uh, we have david glass who's going to help us with that Again, he is the president of the National Coalition Against Racism in Sports and Media. David, thank you again for joining us. And please, describe some of the work that you and Henry did together confronting Native American images and mascots.
8: Hey, Sean. Um, bonjour. And uh, miigwech. Thank you for me on, uh, talking about my good friend, my brother, Henry Boucher. And, um, you know, I want to thank you for having this show uh, honoring him and his legacy, you know Henry was and still is Mr. Hockey uh, for the state of Minnesota and in, uh, in the region really. And um, Henry and I uh, worked together on on the advocacy for our native community. Um, he sat on the board with the National Coalition Against Racism in Sports and Media. <clears throat> we worked uh, on the board and. And a host of others um, throughout Minnesota worked on the um, very hard with the regards to Indian mascots in native imagery regarding sports teams at the uh, pro level, collegiate level, universities, high school. And um, we, the National Coalition, with Henry's uh, assistance and help, we had the largest Uh, sports rally back in 2014 when the um, Washington came in to play the Minnesota Vikings at the uh, University of Minnesota stadium because theirs was being their new stadium was being built but we had over 6,000 people join us on a protest walk um, regarding the um, Washington team name and um, we did other you know we we worked uh, closely on the um Cleveland, uh, Cleveland baseball team with their name, and um, they're appropriating them with the Chief Wahoo imagery. Um, we, we're we still actively um, involved in in that. We work closely, um, and the, the National Coalition was uh, responsible for the North Dakota team, high school, or the college team up there in um, getting rid of the name, the fighting Sioux, worth working with the NCAA, but um, Henry was um, was totally involved. You know, we got I got to know Henry because one of our board members um, inadvertently sent out a letter to uh, Warroad High School, and um, saying that, that we were going to bring legal action against them for their name and imagery, Warriors. Mm-hmm. Most of us, uh, this was a non non native um, member who did this in in a new board member um, most of us understood the history we supported the um, the war road name uh, warriors due to the fact that uh, they had the representation in okay from the in, in the white earth nation so the um, Henry and I got to know each other because that letter was sent. And um, I knew him before that, but he showed up at one of our board meetings and said, uh, and we invited him in and we talked and um, ended up joining our board and um, worked to, um, um, you know, the misappropriation of um, Indian names and for, by the use of, uh, for, Sports, in sports with the, and um, in the, in other, in other venues. So, uh, but Henry's uh, participation didn't stop there. His, um, he was involved in a, um, in a, in a very good program down here in Twin Cities called Ain Da Young, a homeless youth shelter that uh, is uh, culturally specific and uh, addressing um, American Indian youth. And, uh, Henry was on our board there, done a board um, for tenancy and if you read his um, autobiography, you know that uh, Henry Henry come to that uh, that disease, and he talks a little bit about that. But uh, he sat on that board, and um, Jewel Fairbanks, which is a is still a going uh, is still a active um, program in the um, Saint minnesota um and okay. uh, you know he was um he was just uh, kept himself busy and uh
7: yeah and like really his, uh, his
8: uh, granddaughter gabby said he was very very humble guy and um you know but everybody knew him
0: <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah No, we heard both gabby and, and sky comment on how he was just this Humble, but but very well-known figure there in the community. And, David, what about uh, Henry's thoughts on, on Native representation in the sport of hockey, specifically in the NHL? I mean, there are more Native players in the league now than there were in those days, but there's still, still a very small percentage when you think of all the, the kids, especially up there in Canada, Native kids who grew up playing hockey, and so much talent up there.
8: You know, we always talked a lot. You know, Henry had a special special project, partly, and part of it's coming to fruition here in the not-too-distant future with the um, documentary. But that documentary is just a, you know, Henry's really, his um, his vision was to celebrate and to write about all of the American Indian, Native American um, uh, uh, Olympic um, um, participants from you know, Vir- boxer Virgil Hill, Mary Hillman, swimmer, his, uh, his nephew TJ Oshi, um, uh, figure skater Naomi Lang, boxer Connor Frank mm-hmm. Pierce, etc. I mean, Billy Mills, uh, track star Jim. Um, so he wanted to do a, a documentary series celebrating all these different uh, Olympians. And we all, we'd sit and Talk about how that would, what kind of an impact that was uh, would have on all of um, Indian Country, from uh, across the across the country here on Turtle Island, where you know that would bring so much awareness to our people that uh, that they have these innate abilities in terms of the athletics to share and to participate. So we. He worked diligently on that project. Uh, it didn't come to um, completion during his life, not because he didn't work really, really hard on it, but um, the first part is coming to maybe, maybe the um, uh, somebody from the family will continue on in that uh, vein and finish okay. up that project.
0: Okay. Well, David, you mentioned T.J. Oshie, and T.J. Oshie is another one of my hockey heroes. He is an active player with the Washington Capitals, Stanley Cup winning hockey player. Uh, and uh, Sky, I want to bring you in because I know that that T.J. Oshie and you you are close relatives with his family. What's the relation exactly?
4: Um, would so be T.J.'s dad, um, Tim, is related to us all out on the Lake of the Woods. They're they're one of the families that. Um, we live close with out um, in French Portage, is where kind of where my grandpa grew up too. And there's, you know, a few families: the Beechams, the Bouchers, um, the Oshis. Yeah, so they all grew up and, yeah.
0: And Gabi, as I understand it, uh, your grandfather w- was pretty involved in in TJ's career and, and kind of helped uh, get him back to Wauwau to play, because he grew up in Washington State. And I know he, didn't he bring him back and and help get him acquainted with with Minnesota hockey as well? Sky, maybe you can answer it. looks like we lost oh. you, Gabi.
4: Um, Yeah. Um, so he moved in with my papa for when they lived in World in the Red House um, for, I think it was like a year, two years. And then his dad moved there and started working at the school. Um, so TJ really got his start um, because of my papa, Henry. You know, he opened up his home. He lived with him for a while and was us around us kids, you know, um, up there. And he thrived and then went to play. And I know that really made my papa pretty proud. Um, to call you know him like another nephew Tim. I know he referred to Tim as his brother. Um,
0: yeah. All right. Well, another great story here, uh, another great memory that we're learning about uh, with Henry Boucher. I do invite uh, callers, let us know if you have a question or comment, or, or maybe you knew Henry Boucher, or you had a chance to watch him play on the ice in Minnesota, or or one of the, the cities where he played uh, on NHL teams. He played with the Red Wings. He played with the Kansas City Scouts. Uh, he also played, uh, in the old WHA with the Minnesota Fighting Saints. Uh, that's an old track if you remember that league and that team. So give us a call. Let us know what your memories and your thoughts are on Henry Boucher. 1-800-996-2848. And let's now talk with Mary Schofield. And Mary, you wrote a book, a biography, a number of years ago about Henry Boucher. And I actually spoke with you, Mary, uh, a number of years ago. And I remember you said that when you first approached Henry Boucher, he was hesitant about having a biography written. Why was that? What do you remember?
6: Well, I called him the Edina hockey coach said, Why don't you write a book on Henry Boucher? I'd written another book, um, and I was looking for another uh, hockey book to write. And so I I called Henry, and he was quite gruff, and he said, "Well, everybody wants to write my my biography. Um, No, I'm I'm not interested." And I said, "Okay, well, you know, it was worth the the call, and you know, good luck." uh, hung up and quite honestly, I didn't think about it really again. I just was going on thinking of someone else I could write about. And I got a call a few weeks later and he said, well, I've, everybody is saying I should have you do the biography. So I said, fine, get with it. And I had never met him. He was just, uh, uh, of course, a huge legend here. And I had first heard about him way back in 69 when he played in that Edina State Tournament where they won, but Henry was out of the game due to another injury that he had. So uh, he said, we'll get you up here. And of all things, I went up on a Marvin, a Marvin plane. I guess in those days, I have no. This was over 30 years ago. Okay. So I've right. really enjoyed hearing his grandchildren talk about now because my book ended when his I was. Uh, <laughs> More, well, I don't, I, think, I don't think he could see out of that eye. At okay. that point, he's. Mary, he I'm it. sorry,
0: go ahead and do me a favor, hold that thought. We do have to take another break, but when we come back, I, I want to hear more about uh, when you wrote that book and what you learned about Henry Boucher. So, folks, please stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Support for this program provided by Vision Maker Media, who envisions a world changed and healed by understanding Native stories and the public conversations they generate. Nurturing the next generation of storytellers with courage, generosity, creativity, respect, and commitment. 45-plus years of Native stories and indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org, whose slogan is, Together We Are Vision Makers.
0: You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Please join our conversation about the late Ojibwe hockey star Henry Boucher. Tell us what you love most about watching him play in the National Hockey League, You can reach us at 1-800-996-2848. Our phone lines are open right now, so we'll get your call through. We'll share your comments on the air. 1-800-996-2848. We have Mary Schofield on the line. She wrote a biography about Henry Boucher. It's titled Henry Boucher, Star of the North. And Mary, please continue. You were talking about when you first met Henry Boucher when you were writing the book.
6: Yes. Um, I got off the plane in War Road. It was cold. And he, I did not know what to expect of uh, this legend from Minnesota. He was extremely well-mannered, very polite, very intelligent, warm, um, everything that you would want in a, in a star, I guess. And uh, the one thing that I might be able to contribute here is when we got down to Brass Tacks on his life, how hard he worked to get to where he was, and he started out skating on the river and in I don't know the name of it, maybe it's the Warroad River. Someone can help me on um, on the river up there, and his mother had gotten skates for all the kids, and his was so big they had to wrap, wrap socks to put in the toes. But he he, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was working for. And when he was little, the, he was used as a goalie. And so at one point in his life, he played goalie for the Bantam team in War Road, and they won state that year And then he was on the team in Warroad, the high school team, when he was in eighth grade. And the very first time he went out on the ice, he did some fantastic move. And and people were just left with their jaws open over that. And particularly the player that was against him didn't expect an eighth grader to do that. (laughs) But he worked. Uh, extremely hard at everything he did. He just wasn't, he was a natural, yes, but a natural that worked very, very hard for, for mm-hmm. what he did. He had a hard childhood. He lived in uh, Buffalo Bay, north of Warroad, And I don't, I haven't been up to War Road in years, but, there weren't roads that went up there evidently and you went back and forth by boat. And his father was a commercial fisherman, but he was a Canadian. And Canada stopped all fishing in Lake of the Woods. And the father was no longer able to make a living for the family and they okay. moved into warroad when he was 4 years old and lived in this clapboard kind of house with a tiny house in warroad it was not a it was not a great childhood from that standpoint but the family was very very close
0: Okay, and Mary. They have, yeah, I really appreciate you you sharing uh, this information and uh, the humble beginnings. And, and we heard both Sky and, and Gaby comment on how just laid back their grandfather was. And it, it really it's it just so stark when nowadays these kids they they grow up and they they go to these hockey camps and academies and they have all these developmental programs that that nurture hockey players. And, and, and Henry's generation doesn't sound like there was any of that. It was just. Kids just took the game up, and uh, if they had talent, they were able to hopefully run with it. But just a completely different time to be an athlete and to be a native person there in, in northern Minnesota. And, folks, that's Mary Schofield, uh, who wrote the the book Henry Boucher, Star of the North. And I want to go ahead and bring another guest into our conversation now. He's in Minnesota, and his name is Tom Hauser, and he is the chief political reporter at KSTP-TV in Minnesota. And he's also a friend of Henry Boucher. Tom, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you taking the time. I'm happy to be here, Sean. Absolutely. Well, um, what do you want people to remember most about Henry? You were very close to him.
9: I knew Henry for a number of years, both through my work at the Minnesota State Capitol and as a broadcaster of the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament, and uh, which is really back in 1969 when. Henry Boucher became a household name in Minnesota. He was uh, one of the, he was voted uh, a few years ago as one of the top five high school hockey players in the history of Minnesota. And as you know, Minnesota uh, develops a lot of great hockey players and he was in the top five, not just top five native American athletes, uh, top five, overall, you know, uh, just an outstanding uh, player And he would have been a great player in today's era. He would have been a great player in any era. And people, I think, around Minnesota know about his hockey exploits. To a lesser extent, they know about what he did off the ice after he was done with hockey, uh, helping uh, raise money for a Native American youth homeless shelter and helping people with uh, substance abuse and just lending his name and, and his efforts to all kinds of uh causes mostly centered around uh native americans and he he just did great work and i would argue that was uh more important than what than what he did on the ice
0: Uh uh-huh now tom i know high school hockey it's it's just hard to understate how big it is in the state of minnesota they broadcast games uh, on television was it like that when henry played too yeah, in fact, his game in
9: 1969 when War Road played Edina in the state championship game, it was the first state tournament in what then was our brand new Metropolitan Sports Center. And War Road was the little underdog school from the far north playing against uh, Edina, which is still uh, one of the hockey powers in uh, suburban Minneapolis. And that game was televised, that championship game. And that was the game where Henry was knocked out of the game in the second period when he took a check that ended up puncturing his eardrum. And he ended up in the hospital as that game played out And Warroad, lost in overtime. But that game, the buildup to that game and people getting to watch the great Henry Boucher play on television was a very big deal, even 54 years ago.
0: Mm -hmm. And he would later play in that same arena with the the Minnesota North Stars in the NHL, right? He
9: would. And it was just incredible, sad irony. It was six years later when he suffered another injury on the same ice at Met Center, this time intentionally uh, took a stick in the eye from a player for the Boston Bruins named Dave Forbes, who was later indicted for assault. But ended up with a trial that had a hung jury, so uh, there was a, a settlement uh, in that case between the Boston Bruins and, and Dave Forbes and Henry Boucher, uh, but that shortened his career. He, he likely would have gone on to a very long and storied NHL career, but his eyesight never really fully recovered. And uh, But again, it added to the lore of Henry Boucher, this star-crossed, superstar hockey player uh, who not only was at that time well-known in Minnesota, but across the NHL. He had that mm-hmm. headband he wore and the flowing hair. Everybody <laughs> knew who Henry Boucher was.
0: Right, right. And that that injury, it was just so horrific. And, and I just don't think that that folks really understand just how how brutal the game was in those days, you know, they talked about no helmets and a lot of the, you know, even those goalies didn't even always wear masks or they had really small masks and just in the way, you know, you hear those stories about the fights and just how, how violent the sport could be. And it's, it's just so unfortunate that that Henry was, you know, just got the got just got was assaulted in the way he was. But earlier you mentioned Tom, that, that he could still play today in, in, in the NHL and, that's fascinating because so often we look at our old heroes from previous generations and think, yeah, they were great for that era. But did Henry have the size and the speed necessary to compete in today's game? He could still get out there, you think, an athlete of his caliber?
9: Oh, absolutely. And and then you give him today's equipment. Uh, you give him, you know, the the lighter uh, hockey sticks, the, the uh, most advanced hockey skates, uh, all the equipment, uh, you know, he had the, the, uh, the ability, uh, the natural ability is skating and shooting. And he loved to throw his body around too. He was a big guy. He's a little over six feet tall. And then, you know, you put him on skates, he's out there at about six, three or whatever. Uh, and yeah, he was a presence on the ice. And that, again, that headband, that was the only head protection he had on was a, <laughs> was a headband. And then that great big head of hair. And he was quite, a striking figure on the ice. And again, this is in the mid 1970s, but I think there's no question that if he were playing today with modern equipment, it's kind of like when you look at the old golfers, Bobby Jones, or, you know, any of those, uh, Ben Hogan, imagine if you put the new golf balls and the new uh, golf club technology in their hands, what they could have done. It's the same thing with Henry Boucher uh, being able, if you give him the most modern equipment, he had all of the natural ability to make the most of it.
0: Okay. And and again, the long hair and the headband, just what was the reaction there with fans in, in not just there in Minnesota, but all over the league, all over the NHL, when here was this this long-haired native guy out there on the ice and, and, and dominating? What What was the reaction like in the early 70s?
9: And you know, and he had such a great name. I mean, it's Henry Boucher. You can't not remember that name. And then you see uh-huh. the image of him. If he were playing today, he'd probably be making as much money off endorsements of his image and his likeness uh, as he would uh, on the ice. And he was just one of those players. I think it was. It was people found it unique that there was a Native American who was such. Uh, a, a great hockey player. And people forget he was one of the first people of color to play in the NHL. And you know, it, it was it was unique, but it wasn't like, oh yeah, he's great for a Native American. He was great for anybody. He was as good as any Canadian or anyone else. He was just a great hockey player, and people saw him for that. It was just interesting to people that he was also Native American hmm.
0: I want to go back to Sky and, and Gabby as we wind down the show and, and Sky, I remember, you know, I lived in Detroit as a young child when your grandfather was playing with the Red Wings. And I do remember hearing about him briefly. Uh, but really, like it seems to me in the last two decades, his legacy has really grown and he's a lot better known than he might have been even like in the 80s or the early 90s. Why do you think that is, Sky? Why do you think there's this growing interest in your grandfather?
4: Um, I don't know, (laughs) um, I think it's like the facade around him too, and the way he carried himself and he, um, you know, accomplished all these great things, but just his presence and, you know, um, Dan Ninham spoke at his memorial service and he said, well, I was taller than your grandpa, but I was always looking up to him. And I think it's the way that he carried himself, um, and just all of his work that he was doing outside of the game of hockey.
0: Another a question I have for you, Skye, I know your grandfather also had a successful career in real estate. He he got into to real estate and did really well. Tell us a little bit about that as we wind down.
4: Yeah, um, he worked uh, for Paul and Realty in Warode, and then it moved down to um, he worked for Dyna Realty here. Um, yeah, he people would call him and be like, "Oh, Henry Boucher sold my house," or he, <laughs> He helped me buy my house, and I'd be like, oh, "Okay," I was like I had no idea. <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> funny. Um, like I said, he was pretty humble about everything. Um, and you know, when we're talking about my grandpa and his hockey career, there's always the name Dave Forbes that comes up. And I want to share this um, because this is something that we didn't even know. We were opening sympathy cards at my great aunt Shirley's house the other day, and um, we opened this card, and there's a photo of my grandpa, and we didn't know who it was who was standing next to him, and one of my mom's classmates. Uh, sent her this car, and it was a picture of my grandpa and Dave Forbes. Two years ago, they met um, on June 17th of 2021, and I want everybody to know this. This is the type of man that he was. The first thing my grandpa did, um, before even saying hi, was he gave him a hug and forgave him for everything that he did um, to him. And I think oh it takes, gosh. like, a two minutes to do that, and, you know, it made all of us pretty emotional, because, you know, you hear that name, and I always kind of felt for him, and in um, that sense of, you know, you talk about this, and that's the one thing people remember about Dave Forbes and and my grandpa. Um, but the first thing he did was give him a big hug, and that was pretty special.
0: That is so beautiful, Sky. Because I I've seen interviews with your grandfather as recently as like ten years ago, and and Dave Forbes had never reached out. So after all those years, he finally did. That is well, so wonderful yeah, he to saw hear.
4: My mom's old classmate um, and said, oh, I need to get in contact with. Henry and um, Bill at the time was like, oh, I don't know, that's completely up to him, you know? And then they set up a meeting and took that photo and we opened the card and we all were pretty shocked. And I mean, there was tears that were shed. It was pretty emotional. Um, Cause he didn't he didn't tell anybody, you know, like I said, humble man. <laughs> um, didn't tell anyone until that. And I thought that was really, really special. And it goes to show who he was
0: as a person. All right, Gabby. I'm going to give you the last word. Anything else you want to share about your grandfather, his legacy, his athleticism, anything you want to share?
5: Um, miss him a lot already. Uh, miss that warm smile. Um, the welcoming welcoming feeling you get um, when you walk in the room with him. Um, it's definitely going to be a void that probably won't be filled by anybody or anything um, for the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, just miss him a lot.
0: Well, Gabby and Skye, again, condolences to you and your whole family. And uh, I want to thank you both for, for appearing on our show today, sharing these memories, along with our other guests, Lou Nanny, Mary Schofield, David Glass, and Tom Hauser, for sharing memories and stories of the late Ojibwe hockey player, Henry Boucher. Please join us on Native America Calling Again tomorrow. We'll talk with activists at a protest against a controversial statue, literally in the line of fire of a gunman. Is there a new trend toward violence that Native people who speak out have to consider? Hope you'll tune in.
3: Attention all ranchers, farmers, and conservationists. You can join the Indian Nation Conservation Alliance at their three-day annual meeting in Las Vegas starting October 24th to strategize for a sustainable future. Topics include tribal farming and ranching issues, tribal forestry programs, and more, all to strengthen tribal sovereignty through conservation. The session will also be live-streamed online. More info, including registration at inca-tcd.org, who support this show. Repatriation is the return of ancestors and stolen culture. The Association on American Indian Affairs and the Citizen Potawatomi Nation host the ninth Annual Repatriation Conference on November 7th, 8th, and 9th. The conference provides in-person and virtual expert training about domestic and international repatriation. Learn how to register at indian-affairs.org. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this show.